It's so great to be in the house of the Lord with you and with those of you that are uh, on the live stream and will be watching this as part of an archive. For the next two Sundays, we are completing our series, Revealing God, and we will be in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. In the first century, Corinth was the most prosperous city in what we know now as the country of Greece. And Paul is writing to a church that he knows well. In fact, he's the founding pastor and had spent about 18 months uh, somewhere around 49, 50 CE in Corinth. But it seems that the relationship between Paul and the church in Corinth have, has deteriorated. And in our lesson today, though, we hear Paul proclaiming his calling. He's proclaiming his calling to share a message and to share a life in his life and to live a life centered in Jesus Christ. And that's not just Paul's calling. It's our calling as well. So as we prepare to read God's word, let us join together asking for God's illuminating grace. Let us pray. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, illumine the sacred page that we now read. And Lord, we pray that our minds may be open to receive your word and our hearts taught to love it and our will strengthened to obey it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with the scripture, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Earlier this year, we went to the potter's house one Sunday 
and I shared with you that the scriptures like Jeremiah 18 and, and yes, our lesson today when Paul speaks of treasure in clay jars inspired my foray into ceramic classes with my wife Carolyn back in 2008. Carolyn and I took a series of classes together at the Virginia Museum of Contemporary Art in Virginia Beach. The classes were our date night, even though they happened on Tuesday morning. I learned first to pinch pots. I bet you many of you learned to pinch pots in, in kindergarten or first grade, just molding the, the clay with your hands. And then it was about building clay and, and strips and rolling strips and uh, putting those together and molding them together. And then it was about learning to throw pots and plates and jars and pitchers and bowls and, and many other things. For me, it was something of a spiritual endeavor. That centering that clay on the, on the wheel and then molding it and shaping it, it helps me still think of of how God molds and shapes me and molds and shapes you with loving hands. In today's lesson, when Paul writes to the Corinthians about clay jars, he's likely talking about amphora. Do you know what an amphora is? An amphora is a distinctive two-handled clay jar primarily used by the Greeks and Romans to transport wine and olive oil. They are the plastic jugs of the ancient world. Some amphora were glazed and they were in intricately decorated for the upper class, but that wasn't the case with most of them. They were just quite common red clay, common clay from the earth. The typical amphora, when full, weighed about 100 pounds. And sailors would stack them in the ship's hold, and then they would tie them down so that they wouldn't move and, and, and leak or spill over with ropes right through those handles. Once the amphoras were delivered to their destination and whatever was stored in them, the, the oil or the wine, once it was used they weren't turned in for a deposit. No one bothered shipping them back to their point of origin. Economically, it just didn't make dollars and cents. Amphoras were, were cheap and plentiful. You know what it was? It was just much easier just to smash them into, instead of keeping them around. In fact, there's a hill in Rome near the Tiber River called Monte Tetaccio. It's more than a, 150 feet high and a, about a mile in circumference. And all that hill is, it's not made of any soil at all. It's just smashed and stacked amphora, one upon the other, over and over, over hundreds of years. It's an ancient trash heap made of more than an estimate anyway of more than 50 million amphora. But in our lesson today, 
Paul's focus is not primarily on the amphora, but on the tesaurus, tesaurus in Greek, the treasure in the amphora. The word for treasure in Greek can mean both the place that you store something, like a, a treasury, or it can mean the precious things that you are collecting. But the container or the location is not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the treasure, the treasure that's found in clay jars. And he writes, because we have this treasure in clay jars, that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. It seems that Paul had had a falling out in Corinth. And this had had a, a dramatic effect on their relationship. In fact, they, they seemed to have charged him with seeking a claim for himself, not for God. But Paul replies, not so. You've got it wrong. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. Paul's earnest desire in his teaching and his preaching is to point to Jesus, not to himself. There's only one subject that's worthy for Christian adulation. It's God, God the Father and God the Son who reveals God and the power of the Holy Spirit. This light, this Christ, this Lord broke through the darkness in the chaos at creation. Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ, God's anointed one, fulfilled the messianic promises of the God of Israel. He's the one who died for us, who redeems men and women. And through his resurrection is now the living Lord and in a position of authority at the right hand of God the Father. This brilliant light was what Paul saw in the face of Jesus in his conversion. This light shone in Paul's heart, and it re revealed the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, for whom Paul so readily adopts the label slave for Jesus' sake. Extraordinarily, this apostle this learned rabbi, Paul, turns his back on personal fame and gives all the glory to God. I'm just the container, the clay, he says. Pay no attention to me. Focus, focus your praises on the message, but on the one who I bring to you, Jesus Christ, the Lord. And in saying this, he strikes a note that is similar to something he wrote to the Philippians in chapter, chapter 3. I think likewise he's, he's struggling to define his ministry to them. And in chapter 3, Paul constructs what might be called a spiritual resume. He catalogs his, the reason for having confidence in the flesh. He recalls his birth into the people of Israel. He distinguishes his ancestry as from the tribe of Benjamin. He exalts himself 
as a stat, his status as a Pharisee, his flawless record as a persecutor of heresies, yes, including of Christians, as well as all the progress that he had made in the pursuit of righteousness. Yet all of these human achievements, Paul ma maintains, are nothing, nothing, even rubbish to be cast away compared to surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. The outward form of Paul, the apostle, truly a earthen vessel, a jar of clay, is not the point. It's only the message that Paul bears, the good news of Jesus Christ, that's worth paying attention to, he says. This, though, is a hard thing for most of us to wrap our minds around. Because, you see, we've so carefully schooled to value ambition and achievement. Yet in our Christian faith, we have a treasure surpassing anything that we ourselves can possibly achieve. It's a gift, freely given, given by grace, undeserved. All we need to do you and I, is to reach out and claim it for ourselves. Now, ambition is a wonderful thing, and we would do well to encourage our children to be ambitious, to work hard, to try to make a success of themselves. Yet we would also do well to teach that ambition can be a two-edged sword. Even the most impressive, shimmery material, the greatest success is but a rude clay pot compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is this truth that the Corinthians were and all their bickering and all their strife were seeming to constantly miss. They needed to see that the very truth of the gospel story is the humble, earthly life of the Son of God, and that through his shameful death, God is making God's love and grace known to the world, and God is doing God's redeeming work. Jesus is the center of the gospel, isn't he? Because Jesus is God's movement to you and to me and to all the world. Jesus is God's invitation to salvation and eternal life. Jesus is God's affirmation that we are not forgotten, that we are not forsaken, that we are not left to make our way on our own. God, you see, has become one of us, with us, beside us, to make us one with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. This is our faith's unique claim. 
The radiant glory of God shines in the face of Jesus Christ. And through our faith and how we seek to live new life and new light as the light of God shining in the face of Jesus Christ shines in us. You see, Paul's life had been a chaotic darkness. Then at last, through the light bursting forth through that darkness and reducing chaos to order and bringing new life into his life, Jesus had, had found him and revealed himself to Paul on the road to Damascus. It's a vivid picture of the difference that Christ can make in, make in our lives as well. And Paul spent the rest of his life trying to tell people about it. He did it with such glorious words as these. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And perhaps Paul's most personal and clearest expression came when he wrote to the, the Galatians in chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Paul knows, and it's critical that we know as well that the incarnation did not end with Jesus when the Word became flesh. The, the incarnation must go on with us as the radiant glory of God shining in the face of Jesus Christ shines in us and, yes, through us to others. We, too, are to let the light of the glory of God shining in the face of Christ shine in us and yes through us it was Paul's message about himself and for the Corinthians but it's his message for you and for me as well in fact there are people that Christ is not going to be able to shine in their lives unless you shine the light of Christ in their lives. Unless you are that incarnate light in this world. Yes, words are necessary. Yes, we must speak the word. But more important even than words are how you and I are with other people. That is, our availability to love and our listening and, and our responding. Witness is the task of every Christian. We can both experience and share the redemptive love of God outside of this sanctuary. And outside of a Sunday morning service at 9 o'clock out on the parking lot. 
We can, we can experience that light in our homes and we can share that light in our businesses and at school and on Zoom and so many other places. The word of God will come through loud and clear to people who are being listened to and cared for in relationships of love and acceptance. The radiant glory of God shining in the face of Jesus Christ was the power of his incarnation. And the radiant glory of God shining in the face of Jesus has shined in our hearts as well. And now it's ours in these clay jars to declare as our witness in our words and through our lives. And it's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So as we look to God, let us recognize that we have this treasure. We, you and I, have this treasure. So valuable in these fragile clay jars. So that we might show this extraordinary power belongs to God and not to us. Like the Corinthians, we are called to remember our ordinary status. We're not the treasure. Even though we are treasured by God, we're not the treasure. But we're called to share the treasure with others so that as we share the word, and as we read today, the life of Jesus may be made visible in our bodies. Therefore, therefore, let us proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of love and grace. Let us proclaim the treasure that we have been given, the treasure that is ours to share, the light and the love and the life of Jesus. Would all people respond with amen. Amen.